chill, easy. It's not play. You guys play, you get kicked out. No. Hey, hey, stop it. No fucking playing. Fucking rough house.
Hello and welcome to Cherry Stem number something. 32, <laughs> maybe? Number something. We are now doing it more than once a month, so the numbers got a little wonky. Harder to keep track of, but that's good news for you guys because it means more episodes for you to listen to on your way to whatever. Maybe a nice little moment on the toilet. Maybe your way to work. Maybe something else. I'm not judging. You can listen to us wherever you want. And hopefully, in the future, soon, with the help of our patrons, we can also be on Spotify and all the other places where podcasts exist. So yeah, that's our five-month plan. Yeah, um, if we want your toilet time, I like yes. to have people think of me while they're on the toilet. Most certainly. <laughs> and whatever it is you do while you're on the toilet. So, speaking of being on the toilet, uh, when you're there... Go hang out uh, with us on patreon.com slash Cherry. Um, it's, a, it's a good time to browse uh, the Patreon and see if there's any reward tiers that might appeal to you because this show is brought to you by patrons such as yourself. So check out patreon.com slash Cherry. I recommend challenger uh, mode tier of rewards, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's just jump into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, paid, uh, going on the Patreon thing, you know, patrons... The, the patronage of the Medici is what created uh, the, Renaissance. the Renaissance. I mean, it's, you know, a patronage is the way that some massive changes, massive positive changes have been seen in the world. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that trend's kind of coming back because it, it allows people to uh, to support things that they think will actually make a difference. But um, So, yeah, did you want me to get straight into the thing that I want to do or did you have some, uh, some introductory stuff you want to do first? I did. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know if there was more. Okay. Well, um, I kind of got on a uh, a little insect uh, kick here for a little bit because one of the one of the stories that was a news story uh, was about is about insects, and we're going to get back to that because we've got kind of a tie in with some of the other stories, etc. But uh, but just starting right out, one of the things that has kind of been in the news and on people's minds a little bit, and unfortunately, there, it's kind of been a uh, as usual something for uh, for politics to pass back and forth and pervert and end up making into a into an issue that it shouldn't be it should be for everyone but uh and I'm sorry did you say pass back and forth and pervert what yes I, mean? I think yes. i've seen that point yeah exactly they're they're snowballing it uh this <laughs> this issue is snowballing it really is yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so and the the issue is the the insect apocalypse and you've probably heard I'm of sorry, it. Sorry, insect or insects? Wait, the, what are we talking the about? The insect apocalypse. You gotta watch out for that one. Uh, it's snowballing, and uh, the. Uh... <laughs> I love it. So don't you guys want this to be on your Spotify and iTunes? Yes, and everywhere absolutely. So the insect apocalypse is basically well, one of the things. There was a study came out that where like over the past twenty something years, something like that. There's been a decline of around 75% of the total biomass of insects that are uh, that are generally around. Now, right off the bat, you know, if you're not, if you don't think about it too much, don't think about it too hard, kind of put it out of your head, like, oh, whatever, uh, I, I hate insects anyway, they suck. But, you know, if, you, if you've ever spent any time looking at things like keystone species, uh, then you understand, you know, how cascading effects work and how the systems uh, are, um, that are complex have lots of different factors that start to uh, snowball once again now, because there are these cascades that where this failure leads to this failure leads to this failure and it, it, but is it a golden feet. shower cascade it is 
uh, you, uh, you, and you have these um, feedback loops. And so that's, that's kind of the, you know, the typical thing. So, so in my mind, the, the insect issue, uh, which, which I'm going to discuss a couple of other things around it, is, uh, is way bigger than it even seems really uh, right off the bat it's a, it's kind of a, a very difficult thing but but when it comes down to it like one of the one of the things that has recently been a politi uh, a politicization mm -hmm. of it is the uh, Trump's EPA does the this with uh, this chemical and it let me first right off the bat say it has it doesn't have to fucking do with Trump it has to do with uh, huge corporations being involved because this is no this has been going on for a while. Yeah. The only thing that you can contribute did, to Trump. He did appoint the head of the. He did appoint a, a dickhead APA. But that, not that, like there's been that, any changes. But but okay for like four years Before though that. they've been yeah. doing this emergency. See people did this association thing because he did the whole the uh, emergency mm -hmm. uh, declaration thing and then it's specifically this loophole that the EPA has been using for like four years. Uh, to allow uh, a specific chemical to be used. Is it Monsanto? Uh, no, in oh. this case it's Dow. Um, oh, well, well, what a yeah, big difference. I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the, and, and that is, that's the, the actual villain here. It's not, it's not Trump, even though he right. did appoint a dickhead to the EPA. Yeah, all, the only thing that that did is, is okay, looking at it from, I'll give them some tiny bit of credit that the fact that we've got all this information that keeps stacking up and more and more and more information is available and that the more the, the more recent information should have made them go one direction and that is uh, you know basically reducing the uh, the use of uh, sulfoxiflor is what it's called uh, but instead they've expanded it so that's what so the most recently, it, it didn't just continue uh, it actually they expanded the use of it and uh, and so the you know kind of the story behind this is so yeah go ahead World War one was the first time the Dow chemical became involved with the military they made phenol and other chemicals to be used as munitions for United States during the war yeah no, Dow's been, so been right I, up the butt of the military industrial complex right. for a very long time that's what set it off and so I wanted to make sure that uh, I wasn't just misremembering or misattributing um, Involvement in killing innocents in the Middle East and to Dow Chemicals, but yeah, they did it, and but, not just that, but maybe okay. So, but here's the thing: so sulfoxiflor is a is this chemical that that Dow basically wanted to promote as a as bee friendly, when in fact it actually oh. kills bees more. Oh, it actually no. does as soon even as you worse. said bee friendly, oh no, no, it's even worse. And so they so in you know so so of course in Europe they're banning this shit mm -hmm. because it's even worse than the other chemicals, yeah. but here. They basically, you know, uh, they're the people. What do they call the the, the people who, who pay off? Uh, yeah, yeah, the the the, the guys who, who do all the bribing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, they were were basically making it seem like this is the only chemical anybody can possibly use. Uh, so you know they don't want they don't they have to spray something. So you know we want to keep them from producing any crops at all, which is of course just a ridiculous, <laughs> pathetic, stupid, weak argument, but. Anyway, so we just actually funny. increased. We first switched over to something that was worse for bees, and then now just recently we've massively increased it. And uh, the the number of states in which they're going to be using it. So so there's like, and these states have lots of just huge amounts of cropland that's going to be used on. And so anyway, then this is in the face of of more recent information about how 
we're finding out more and more about the decline of insects all over the world. And so insects, I mean, hopefully I don't have to, you know, talk about what insects lead to, lead to birds and, and pollination and then that birds insects, and pollination that... lead to, to other animals that feed on them and those other animals, you know, there's the, all of these things are, they're not separate. And it makes they're, us food. They're connected. The Eventually it comes down to... And then to, you die. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you die is the end of it. And so like whenever people are like, oh yeah, these fucking greenies, they just want to save all the stupid animals. It's like, no, no, it's... Talking about like us. Save some animals. Oh, that's to not die. That's the one us to not fucking have a horrible starvation thing going on. But anyway, right, right. so so uh, we're talking about not just all insects. So wait, is that like insects? Should they be added to the list of? <laughs> so yeah, so, you so, protected species. So it's basically it's it's Dow who is uh, who's responsible for this shit. Uh, so and, bees in particular are very important. Oh God, yes. Let's just say that. Okay, and okay. and and then so that that leads to you know so probably so. Almost certainly, the whole colony collapse disorder and things that have been going on—they've been directly tracing for it to like, pesticides for over a and over decade and over. or more. Like colony right. collapse has been an issue for a while. Yes, but uh, so so anyway, so in, in so the yeah, news just time. recently is once again uh, one of the largest beekeepers in the U.S. Uh, lost more than half, more than half of their bees. And uh, and basically all the different uh, the, the various not just almonds it was well, that's just one of the ones they brought up no it's it's all of the various crops across the U.S. they're calling and calling the the beekeepers and tons of the beekeepers are uh, are saying we won't be able to service you we won't be able to service you so what you're what we're talking about here is is just the in the in the American coming. Farming. Yeah, in the coming year, you're talking about a huge hit to farming, which is going to be drive up food prices, which are going to lead year. to just uh, you know next, huge hits the on the economy. Season, right? And so you can trace right from Trump's decision to have a dickhead who deregulated to destruction of the economy. You can look, you can trace it. It Question. doesn't take that many steps. Question: but, <laughs> What about um, Europe and uh, their 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 bees? Uh, I well, I think they've, they've actually had some recovery. Because I know they, I know bees, you know, travel, but I don't know how far they migrate. Yeah, I I, I don't know, but uh, I do know that they are banning this specific one because there's just massive evidence that it's it's a uh, that it, it I mean, and and you know what the the study came out? It it showed that it was killing half of the colonies. <laughs> it just so happens that most recently, the, the largest beekeeper lost more than half of his colonies. But uh, so so anyway, so that's a that's a huge issue that's going on, and it and it's it's not the bees are the ones that most quickly and directly impact us. So it should be easy for even people who can't understand complex effects and can't understand cascades and can't understand things like keystone species, and they don't get those kinds of things because it's like there's more than one step. I mean, I, I can't think more than one step. You know, uh, they, well, they can't get the, that. I do have they a can get this. How do we know it's the pesticide that's doing? Because it's, it directly kills them, and that you can't. Okay. I'm playing the devil's advocate. When you spray something in massive amounts uh, that is poisonous, and then the animals are in contact with these, and things, then they don't come back, and they and die. these things are these volatile chemicals stay in the environment for long periods of time. Then you not just have you don't just have the killing of the bees, you also have the killing of all They're the generous. other, and so it, so it's almost certainly the these. New, newer generations and expansive uh, continual pushing of new chemicals, more expensive chemicals on the, on the part of these large corporations that are part of this because there are other methods that should, had we actually put some thought into uh, uh, you know, alternative methods of dealing with this problem instead of brute force 
you know, Dow Chemical came up with this way of doing it, so that's the way we're going to do it instead of you giving know, them all the authority. Because there are there are various te- like for instance, one of the things that we did with genetic engineering was specifically. I have stories about that. Was it specifically in where this is a good segue? Mm-hmm. Was specifically to increase the uh, the plant's ability to withstand the poison that we're dumping on it. Whereas what they could have done is spliced in things that where there's lots of natural plants that have. A defense against insects that the, these particular crop plants may not have those defenses against the insects and so we could have been instead of splicing in resistance to po- to neurotoxic poison we could have instead been uh, splicing in things that were natural and not as detrimental to uh, you know human neurology detrimental to the bees and to all the other insects and you know destroying our <laughs> our environment and eventually our capability to produce not just food on the short term, but on the very long term. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, well, a Well, a word on so. that um, is uh, I'm not sure what this means in terms of like pounds of food because of you know exchange rate is a thing. But um, comment from chat is is accurate that U.S. is the largest uh, world food exporter when it comes to dollars hmm. in, in dollars. Um, so it's gonna hit the world economy. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least, at least we won't be going. We're taking everybody with us. Well, uh, economy <laughs> versus the poor people. I think it'll yeah. hit. You know, it'll hit people who can't afford stuff first. Right. It's, it's, exactly. And who and cares then, about the people who can't afford stuff? Fuck all of them, right? So, uh, speaking of fucking people, uh, genetics and shit. Um, let's talk for just a second about the life and rebirth. So, uh, we talked about death right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Death, That's birth, now on to positive news. Um, so, uh, we do have um, these basically two approaches to gene editing, um, I learned today. Uh, there's the old uh, tried and true method of gene editing, which is um, they take a vector, vi- a vector is a virus, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I thought vector was something else, but no, it's, they take a virus and then they take out all of the stuff that makes it, uh, so, so viruses are very robotic-like, mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand. They're and literally so, like fucking land, they have like little feet, one particular one has, a, it's a little icosahedron on top of a little fucking lander, like, like a little fucking moon lander, and then it, inj- and then it, it lands with its little fucking feet, and then injects the code in, and then the code like, you know, splices in. <laughs> yeah, so they, they, they took one of those, um, not specifically, but a virus, and they took out uh, all the infectious stuff out of it, and they put in um, a snippet of DNA that they wanted to replicate, so to inject, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. the detrimental things. In other words, right. so you, yeah, they took a, a out virus the, is the basically... Infect, the viral... Uh, right. So there's the, there's the package, which basically is the delivery system, right. and then there's what it delivers is replicating itself, typically. Whereas what we can do is take out the code that says replicate yourself as a virus and instead put in code that says make this change to this part of the genome. And that's basically right. how, you, how you do the, the gene editing stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's the, the tried and true method. And uh, they inject it intra-amniotically into already you know existing fetuses. So there was a study that came out in 2018, in April, uh, so April of last year. Um, and it's a Journal of New England uh, Medicine. And they basically have uh, this thing called XHED, uh, XLHED, sorry. It's X linked hy- uh, hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia. So it's a sweat gland issue. 
And the ectodermal dysplasia, their mouth doesn't form right. They're, you know... Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so it's some sort of genetic abnormality. It's a genetic abnormality, yeah. So yeah. Um, they did uh, this gene editing with mice for specifically XLHED, and uh, it, it, the mice were fine. Um, the, obviously, the mice had the mutations to have them have this issue, and then they gave them genetic... Um, Treatment. To okay, so what you're talking about is gen so, in genetic therapy. Genetic therapy, yeah. So that's the, that's the way in which we currently have altered genetics, and there's a study that came well, out. Well, there's two different ways. Let me just wait. Me, go I ahead. got this. I got all of this. No, no, you don't got what I've got. Okay, no. well, I probably don't, but just let me finish. Um, so the they did this, why the study came out, this isn't just about mice. Mm -hmm. They did this with humans. Mm -hmm. And so they had three babies, two of them were twins, one was a regular one. And they injected them at 26 weeks or so, and um, they had this genetic disorder, and so they were treated in the same way that mice were. And so far, they're about 22 months of age, mm -hmm. and they seem to be doing well. They don't have the issue. So this is essentially one of the first cases of changing human genetics. Right. And what? Uh, and then there's the first one. Was, it, was this when they were uh, infants? When they were fetuses? They were interamniotic. So they were fetuses at 26 and 31 okay. weeks, and the other one was because, 26. Weeks. Okay, because see, the typically genetic engineering is done for the like, you know, at, at a stage where you just have like a single cell, you know, where you, that that's right. no, that's where it's typically fetuses. done, and then at, that's like genetic engineering where you're messing, you're splicing things for one specific cell, which then of course that that goes throughout the organism because the organism comes from that one cell. Once you've got a bunch of cells, then it's difficult to deal with it. And that's uh, why we, with you know, one of the things with uh, genetic therapy is that you have to produce tons and tons of this, this vector that mm -hmm. has your genetic package, that's genetic alteration, to alter all the cells that are in a given body that that hold that you know that piece of bad code that you want to clip out or change or whatever. So, so you have to do that for each cell. And so, but, it's so, so every virus has to find a cell in your body and alter it. So how do they so, do that with fetuses? Well, that's what that they're what they're doing is they they're by using they just produce a bunch of the the virus with the with the you know in the vector right well the the, the basically the delivery system right. with the with the edited code mm -hmm. in it they have to produce a bunch of that so you've got tons of it and that circulates throughout the body and then infects all the various cells mm -hmm. with it in and then makes the changes but it's just so so there's a there's a difference between you know the genetic engineering that's kind of a lot like you know, we did ancestral breeding where we just mixed breeds of animals and things like that. And then that kind of went to, then we can make these certain genetic changes on a single cell, you know, that is going to, you know, become a larger animal. And then, you know, and then the, the, the problem is more difficult once it's become a multicellular, mm -hmm. you know, fully formed animal. That's where, where all of the, these various, um, pluripotent cells become specialized cells and it, it, it becomes more and more difficult as as things as an animal becomes more specialized so right and of course the the real sort of rub for implementing genetic research on a wide scale for humans is that it, it's humans it's, it's people and we don't know what the fuck we're doing so especially with CRISPR so that's kind of my second point uh, on this so the two different ways in which we do genetic research uh, genetic editing or genetic therapy. So we have this tried and true, so to speak, method with um, interamniotic vector and genetic code alteration um, delivery system. And we just had our first trial with humans, with that, basically. Uh, so 
there comes in China now. Uh, we have our good old CRISPR twins. And of course, the uh, I'm looking at an article which new evidence came out that uh, these children, they were edited uh, by CRISPR, which is, I will have you explain it because I don't fully understand how CRISPR works. And it's, I mean, it's C-R-I-S-P-R, CRISPR. It's, it stands for a particular area of the genetic code, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'll let you take that over, but I just want to point out that um, these genes were modifi modified by birth, uh, before birth by Chinese scientists, and they were supposed to make them HIV resistant, I'm sure they did, but they might have had their brains inadvertently enhanced. Oops. Oops, yeah, that was totally an accident. China uh, made children to have better learning and memory inadvertently as they were making them resistant to AIDS because you know AIDS is such a problem in China. Right, and, and they, they wouldn't do anything like, like that, that might be labeled eugenics. Never. They would it never was an do accident. That. It was totally an accident. That Even though eugenics happened to make them smarter. Poor, poor <laughs> word. That word has such a bad rap because yeah. one asshole was uh, pouring bleach water into Gypsy's eyes at one and point. And then they called that. And they called that science. Right. It's like that, whatever. So how does CRISPR work? Well, okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you how. It's okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what's the difference between CRISPR and the, the vector? Okay, well, well, like CRISPR-Cas9 is uh, is a system so, yeah, that was it? that was borrowed from. from I know some, so little about it. <laughs> yeah, it was borrowed from some some bacteria or something that we found that was doing this this um, you know gene editing. But basically, what it does is it's got a uh, a system that that kind of reproduces itself, mm -hmm. and uh, and so in other words, like okay, so you got to think of it as 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 genes are being read. And mRNA is being produced off of it, and you know, or different types of, of things. The, all the it's like a it's it's a lot like a program. Now, mm -hmm. some some people in biology don't like that. Some people do, but I, I tend to like calling it like uh, you know, it's like a program. It isn't specifically a program because it's more complex than that. But um, but basically, as it's running along and reading off code, because that's what it's actually doing. Um, what can happen is is you know how viruses typically act is that they 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 splice into an area in the DNA that has the as it's read off the instruction is to for the cell to then produce more of the viruses and usually that ends up where it just keeps gets caught in a loop creates more and more of the viruses until the cell explodes and then those go out and infect more cells kill off those cells and and eventually it either kills the animal or the uh, or your you know the immune system overcomes it but um, so but CRISPR is something uh, is something different. Where the, the the idea behind it is is that it it kind of short circuits the uh, typical Mendelian um, inheritance traits. Like in other words, like Mendelian or Mendelian, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did talk about you. So so you know how there's like this random component of whether or not you're going to get the the well, it's twenty five to seventy five. Yeah, well, you dominant know, recessive. dominant recessives. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's not these, but there is some there's some semi-random component that determines whether or not you're going to get the father's gene or the mother's gene, mm -hmm. and uh, they, right. and so there is a uh, that is short-circuited by this system where it um, it always ensures that oh. the, that the um, because it'll basically. If the other gene is there, it'll go and, and, and replace it with the information that was there. Instead of instead of the, the as it's going in there, 
the uh, genes are combining, instead of combining, it overwrites. And so absolutely every offspring will always have this particular, um, you know, whatever you do with right, CRISPR. Right. And so, okay. you know, why that's dangerous is because the random variation that uh, that is present in genetics is part of a system. It's not a fucking accident. Mm. Well, I mean, it is an accident from a certain perspective, but, right. you know, the, the, the reason why animals persist and have these complex systems is because they are successful and so that's what i mean not an accident in other words it's de defined by their success that this randomness and the, uh, is is part of a uh, an adaptive system for making sure that you you have to have some genetic drift you have to have lots of attempts to find what the future is going to do that's what genetic genes are drift. doing yeah exactly gen genes are exploring every possibility vaguely, in a kind of a random uh, I remember it was under debate when I was first in college in 2006 because I was talking to somebody who wanted to be a genetic. Well, I was talking to an ex who wanted to be a geneticist, and he mm -hmm. was like, and I brought up genetic drift, and I was like, ah. Uh, well, there might be some uh, specific. Because uh, I was like, what is it even? I just know that there was controversy around whether or not it's a thing, but then again, there's controversy around epigenetics too, and it's clearly a thing. Yeah. So, um, or genetic memory even. There, there may be a, a, a more specific definition mm -hmm. for the, the you the know the word genetic drift may be. A symbol instead of a instead of just a um, a way to explain something. Yeah, because <laughs> genes drifting, you know, is is well, obvious. Well, how, uh, I don't drifting where how I'm not sure. No, it's changing small mutations that are not that are not harmful. Oh, drifting. Oh, so like in the when you're in the water when you go into the ocean and then you like come yeah. back out and you're like 80 miles down from where you left your tower. Yeah, there's this basically something. It's it's changing right, over time, okay. and so yeah. genes tend to just change little little you know mutations here and there and and the thing is we're yes we are finding out that mutations aren't nearly as random as we thought because mm -hmm. they are strongly impacted by epigenetic factors and epigenetic factors have to do with the the experience of, a, of a, yeah. a single individual so the single individual alters the epigenetic factors which then cause uh the associated genes to be more uh likely to mutate yeah, it's specifically in the in the direction that the. Why am I thinking about the Filoware theory? That's like such such a perfect example. I have no idea why that's. Uh, it doesn't even matter, <laughs> but it's just such a perfect example how one each individual's changes affects the entire pattern because then they breed, interbreed, the genes drift, then each individual changes it, then they move, then they. Yeah. I see. Let's see. The would be the genes of the lucky individuals. I have the weirdest metaphors in my head right now. Okay. Oh, genetic. Uh, basically, talking about that. Uh, that some that that some uh, things have to do with luck. In other words, it, yeah. in other words, it's there is no sure. specific uh, survival uh, advantage that that. Okay, that's what they're talking about with genetic drift, Wait, which what? is but, okay. There's somebody that I'm just looking up a quick right, right. thing yeah, here. Just... Is that there is uh, basically a luck factor when it comes to what genes? A luck factor, or it's all luck? No, okay. it's definitely okay. not all luck. Okay, that's a, what I heard, and I was like, wait, no, a luck pause factor. This and that's true because there are various genes that have a, all, a have, flood can wipe out, have too you know? little of an effect on the uh, on the survivability right. of that individual for it to be important on whether or not they pass it along. So that so you know it's not going to have a large enough impact except over many many generations so therefore that's going to play a significant role that just the pure fucking luck is going to play some of a role whereas they, they there was no additional benefit or whatever you know conveyed by that specific so kind of just writers. but then there's oh. also you know uh, so there, there there are multiple factors i think that's just they're they're, they're trying to right 
quantify an example. And maybe that's where the, the that's what you're remembering mm -hmm. is there was some uh, idea of how much that luck factor was part right. of it versus directly, you know, it's always because it gave some benefit specifically at this very smallest component, which really doesn't make any fucking no, sense. Sometimes you just have riders right. that happen to have right. hitched yeah. a ride along with good genes and they just don't really Yeah, feel that's much. why you have some shit genes and some Vestigial organs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, but then, um, did you want to go on from there? Like where, um, kind that's, of that's the, uh, just uh, basically talking about CRISPR and, um, the difference between CRISPR and, uh, the oh, genetic engineering. Factor, yeah. So, uh, right. the, yeah. And so they're, they are basically using CRISPR in, in, the, works, in genetic so. engineering here. So it is an mm -hmm. application of something that means that all of the offspring of these humans will, uh, will be. They, they won't they, they won't have the possibility of, of any alterations to that area of their uh, of their genetic code in other words from that point forward every great grandchild great 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 grandchild of them and, I, and so which you know as as genes begin to mix it starts to go throughout an entire population uh, that entire population will not have the opportunity of ha uh, of random drift or any kinds of changes to their genes in the area where the CRISPR alterations are are present until until some some unless the uh, the alteration that happens is in the CRISPR portion of it where it makes it deactivate. So that's the only hope of is that is that the system that that this that that this works on itself breaks in some way. Then, but for the most part, when it comes to this this genetic area, so long as the the CRISPR system itself is not fucked up by random you know, you know genetic changes that are happened through environmental you know damage dna to dna or whatever uh yeah they, they will continue to give these traits to the rest of humanity over time and and so the, you know of course that's very dangerous <laughs> given that you don't know that uh, everything in, in genes is multi-layered data when you you know when you make changes to somebody's fucking shape of their fingernails you may be also like altering the the thickness of the skin on their lips. I mean, there's there's so many fucking well, yeah. weird connections be, because of the way that the the data is stored in DNA is not one and one for one. It's it's multi layered where where right. where it uses the same areas for widely different things just by looking at it from a different fucking angle. That's what the the histones do is they take the DNA and, and, and wrap it up into yeah. these other weird forms that then as it, as it's read across it you basically are rearranging it's like it's like it's it's basically like rearranging words in a dictionary it's like you know it's no longer a dictionary if you start rearranging the words you know it's it's yeah one thing i, I learned uh, that was the most i guess culture shock if you can call it that for uh being a humanity student go uh, starting off with psychology in, in college and then going into like neuroscience when i had to learn biology and stuff the one thing that was the biggest takeaway and and a shock uh I guess was that how much of the everything that happens in the body has to do with uh, 3d shapes and magnetic interactions so like so much of it is how it's shaped and shapes change through charges and uh, through interactions and it's just so, how much of it is 3d basically yeah um, but, but the, yeah they, they remove specifically the gene called CCR5 and uh, now that they're looking at mice, they found that uh, the same alteration that was introduced in the girls, uh, their, I believe they're twins as well, DNA, 
not only makes mice smarter, but also improves human brain recovery after stroke. It could be linked to greater success in school, but of course they don't but know. But whenever they find they little things like that, they don't necessarily know all the other small things right. that have been altered in one slight way or another. Exactly. That, well, that Because these things are emergent. See. In other words, like the, the, the impacts might be small, you know, right here, here, and here, but then when you add these other things, they, they add together. It's like, it's like made out of various puzzle pieces where you, if you, it, it's kind of like programs that are modular and then can end up being going together in a different way. We only have a part of a program and it's only when it combines with this other one that it creates this other effect that is larger than each one of those small components by themselves. And so that's happening all throughout DNA. So, it's not, it's not one-to-one. -one. Great example though. Uh, the reason it's like, why would, it's like, okay, well, why did they go after a CCR5? If because it, they were thinking it was one-to-one. -one. <laughs> if it shows uh, that it's been fucking around with mice's heads, how, why could it possibly have anything to do with HIV? Well, apparently the same gene, HIV requires it to enter the human blood cell. So, same gene, stroke recovery? Well, I guess that kind of makes sense if it has to do with blood, blood cells. But, oh, well, okay, learning and memory, stroke recovery, entering yes. blood cells, there's a connection, but also what else can it be connected to? We don't know. Yeah, and there's always there's, there's always only one a, way to find out, and it's for these things children Things are, are very up, finely and tuned and balanced, where when you have this one positive, you also have all of these various negatives that go along with it. Like, what was it the, uh, oh, a senescence. The, the process of senescence in cells has been this big thing in, uh, in, in science, where it's basically anti-senescence technology is like, you know, oh, well, we can make it where cells don't age. Well, the senescence process is also part of wound healing. In other words, senescent cells are created as, uh, as part of how we, you know, heal wounds and stuff. So you fuck with senescence too much and basically you make it make people fragile in another way. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, there are these, there's always these fucking trade-offs and balances because it's, it's a system where you don't know the ways in which it's connected in weird fucking ways. I mean, it's, it's, it's just taking something that is, it, like if you had a, this really complex program, there's all these various little components that do little things. And then if you just change, you, you, you you change one of them well it's used in a million other places you can't and if you just change it without knowing all the places that it's used you could cause really complex cascading effects and so that's that's the problem with just going and kind of brute force like hey this uh this we see that this does this yeah it does do that and a whole bunch of other shit and so yeah i mean it's you know there's a there's a lack of care and kind of a cavalier attitude that is what people are are afraid is going to happen, especially. I mean, I'm not particularly against um, you know, genetic engineering in humans at all. Actually, I mean, I, I think it's probably a damn good idea, except with fucking CRISPR, yeah. where, where you're just no, automatic. It's like let's not just do genetic engineering. Let's make sure that whatever we, dumb decision we made right now that was completely uninformed because uh, about a system we barely fucking understand. Let's make sure that passes on to humanity through you know. <laughs> Like, it's just, let's make sure that just ends up in the entire human genome, that our bad decision right now. Now, this doesn't seem like a good idea to me. But. So, yeah, but they're not the only ones because a Swiss uh, biotechnology company is saying that it's going to try to use CRISPR uh, to treat patients with beta thalassemia, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, 
So they're going to be using uh, CRISPR therapeutics. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there is the possibility them because I haven't looked into it in a while, that they may be using, because it is CRISPR-Cas9 that I'm talking about, which is this gene drive thing. And so I'm not certain if there is not a component of the gene drive that is I, not self-replicating in that specific way. But that's the, the way I've understood it yet so far. You know? Well, so that's what... this CRISPR one in, in, in Switzerland, um, in Zug, that's where Plexstorm is. Hey. <laughs> uh, so the beta thalassemia is, um, and they're using this in one specific patient, and they basically rely on transfusions because mm -hmm. of this disorder. So the person's not already had, there, it's an older person, I'm assuming, obviously, I guess. And uh, it's not like a baby that is going to have to grow up with these changes, and who knows what that's going to do. But um, so people with beta thalassemia inherit defective copies of the gene that makes hemoglobin. So once again, it's, it's, it's blood related. Um, however, everyone's body has a second copy of the gene called fetal hemoglobin uh, that gets shut off after we're born. So what they're trying to do is turn that fetal hemoglobin copy back on in mm -hmm. people who are. Oh, I missed part of it because I was looking at, at CRISPR. Yes, but, so they're trying to turn the hemo hemoglobin back on. I'm talking on. to you. There's no oh, options no. <laughs> of any kind. No, it's... Uh, they, it's it's a defective copies of the gene that uh, makes hemoglobin. Okay. But everyone, everybody, everybody's body, everyone's body has a second copy of the gene called fetal hemoglobin that gets shut off after they're born. And in this trial, they're going to try to use CRISPR editing to turn fetal hemoglobin back on. So they have a defective one, and then they have a one that shuts off quickly after we're born, and mm -hmm. they're going to try to turn that one back on. So good luck, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, they, they're they're reliant on on blood transfusions, so I mean, you know, that's an issue because they can't make hemoglobin, so that sucks. Yeah. So, but, but <laughs> I, I'm thinking that basically, yeah, it's see, I, I actually the the gene drive thing years ago because yeah, uh, you know, I won't I won't say her last name because you know who knows if she wants to be associated with us in any way, she doesn't. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so not publicly anyway. But the, uh, the, um, someone we know who's a, uh, who is well known for being a doctor and, uh, is, you know, studying, and it's not my mom. Right, studying genetics and she's actually has some level of, of famousness, but, uh, the <laughs> famousness or esque ish. Ishness. Uh, ishness. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, I was talking to her about, um, about a way to, to, do something that I call it a gene sweep virus, which is basically, you know, there is this process in, uh, during um, when a, uh, uh, what, what is it called? During apoptosis, when a, when a cell does uh, program cell death, mm -hmm. it has these various stages that it goes through. And so it has to read through this, the various stages that are part of the code. Well, there's a, you know, you could insert in part of the code that to at that stage activate a, a viral uh, release and so this would be a way to uh, make um, b basically make certain gene editing be um, communicable mm -hmm. and, and not only communicable but the, the, one of the biggest problems of, uh, of gene therapy is having to create all of this these these viruses that manufacturing it because you're making them is, is extremely difficult whereas Whereas what I'm talking about is something that would be like a disease. It would be a disease that was a doing what you intended. But now 
what you intend can be fucking stupid, right. even though you think it's a good idea. And uh, and so and so it is. It's kind of like what I was telling her about it. I was, I was actually telling her, telling her about it as part of an interesting, you know, like sci-fi plot that right. like this is a this, I could I think it was like stage seven specifically of the apoptosis program. Mm -hmm. and it was a particular that. stage in which it then it, it hits this code and then it starts producing virus and and you end up with the same result because apoptosis destroys the cell. Well, in this case, I'm, I'm destroying the cell with the production of, of virus, and then that viral load goes and, and, and infects the other cells and then does nothing. In other words, after it goes in, copies the, uh, the section of code in, it then does nothing until the, um, the apoptosis signal is received by the cell. So if the cell is going to be destroyed anyway, your body's already selected it for destruction, and so you know, then of course you then you uh, get it to release so more why, virus. So why, why is this bad? Because no, first but why do that at all? Oh, why the, employ the oh because this is part of a sci-fi kind of uh, thing that's like where you basically have these people who believe that they want to change all of mankind. But why does it have to be apoptosis? I don't understand. Why can't you just go in and just okay. edit it? Okay, because okay, think about why this. So so if you're if you're wanting to. Because you have to have some way to make to have your body produce to have cells that will shed virus. So if they're shedding virus, how are they shedding virus? It normally oh, it destroys so the, the cell, right? And so okay. you don't want something that's constantly killing cells. Right. But if you got a cell that's going to be killed anyway, right, right. and then you use that to to then kill shed it through a virus. different means, yeah, okay. which is to shed the virus, then you basically have a system that where a person once they've uh, contracted this disease. Each cell will not be impacted by the virus until the point at which the cell is supposed to die anyway. Right. And so this is a, a convenient method by which you could basically use a disease to it's alter. A, it's an ethical way. It's, to alter all of it. Well, it's not just. It's not ethical. It's just. A, it's just practical. And uh, ethical, not unethical. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's one ethical way of doing it. It's just. It's just a way of doing this, but but it's fucking stupid in a, in a, from another perspective. Like I, I was. Well, because first off, the reason why I mean, well, there's lots of uses for apoptosis where it's where it's just, um, you know, like like if you didn't have this apoptosis signal working properly, your fingers would be wet. Like you, your your body first produces like kind of a when you when it first creates your fingers in the womb, uh, it, it's kind of just a mass, mm -hmm. and then apoptosis separates the fingers where the cells in between are killed off. Okay, and so that so it, that's one of the ways in which it's used. But another way in which it's used is when a when it, you know a cell is becoming cancerous, mm -hmm. or you know a variety, or it's been damaged in some way, so it's not functioning right. properly. There's lots of different ways that can cause a cell to ask to be destroyed, right, right. because that's what it does. It asks, "Should I be destroyed?" by producing specific types of, uh, you know, um, expressing certain receptors, mm -hmm. and then basically, it, if your body is all, it, is sending the the signal that basically says. I, I have the resources by which to that it's okay to kill off these you know like uh, uh, I'm, what I'm specifically thinking of is in the liver uh, when you have cirrhosis of the liver basically the problem is you have a bunch of scar tissue right. and specifically uh, this is the way that uh, cannabis uh, helps heal the liver is that there there's both the um, there's the two different um, receptors that uh, that endogenous cannabinoids uh, activate which is CB1 and CB2 and CB, CB1 is uh, um, 
activates ap apoptosis and CP2 activates cell division. So basically it's, it's, it's sending both signals simultaneously and, and typically that would mean that your body is signaling that you have enough resource to go ahead and kill off the damaged cells and start replacing the, uh, it with the healthy cells that can replicate. And so the healthy cells get the signal from the exact same chemical, get the signal replicate, and the unhealthy cells, that, uh, which had to be there, you know, you need to have scar tissue, you know, and it can't just instantly be eliminated, you know, they're, they're, because you could eliminate too much scar tissue at once, the scar tissue wouldn't function, etc. But anyway, then you get the, the signal for the scar, the scar tissue to be eliminated simultaneously, and that's how, uh, uh, cannabinoids can actually help with cirrhosis but um so anyway the, the 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 point is that the the problem with with this is that you know if you have a cell that's already kind of fucked up and then you're going to have that produce um uh you know some some sort of uh genetic altering system that it's because because the first right off the bat the, the way that you do gene therapy is you use something like fucking ebola as the delivery system in other words the outside shell that gets past your immune system because that's what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to get past your immune system uh and not be recognized by your immune system and destroyed and instead be able to get in the cell and make the alterations well then you take that turn that into basically an infectious disease yeah it's effective at spreading the, all the alterations to the gene throughout the body but then you're basically you're using a system that could be that, that it could be basically uh replicating alterations in a uh that are that are negative in other words like something happened that damaged the dna the cell uh asked to to um to be destroyed and then instead of destroying itself properly with the, the you know systematic shutdown which is basically what apoptosis does instead it starts shedding virus that may be this fucking horrible thing and so you'd end up basically creating like these weird diseases that uh, that would start spreading throughout the population and not be easily detected and you know and then you'd end up creating but uh, along with making alterations so it's already bad enough that you're making alterations that, uh, that you don't necessarily really understand in the first place and and making them communicable well where in other words it would go from your path because you'd be constantly shedding virus it would pass from person to person so you could alter the genes of all of mankind in this way uh but it's just such a horrifically bad idea and so that's why i was kind of and so she, she wasn't even really she wasn't even really comfortable with me even fucking talking about it but <laughs> yeah because uh, well it's it's the you know this idea itself is dangerous because you know some fucking imbecile could decide well hey that's a good idea and i can do it i can do it perfectly because i'm so smart you know and, and then they'll fucking release this horrific thing on mankind so you know it's just kind of um you know certain certain things are very uncomfortable to talk about but here we are you know they're kind of doing that and this was before CRISPR really was really a thing that I was talking about this method and CRISPR is kind of like this gene sweep virus that I'm talking about so it's it but except it's it's only instead of it being a communicable disease which mean it would be it happened really fucking fast instead it happens more slowly and it happens through breathing and so there's at least some level of control so so but what i had was was a souped up ver version of what's bad about CRISPR. so let's go to the internet <laughs> yeah <laughs> here you go well, folks well, the thing is if they if they listen go to them, they, should, they should be able to understand the person who who was telling you about it was also showing you all the ways in which this is so fucking horrible this is but maybe that's a, what they want the worst goddamn idea watch the world burn 
the worst goddamn idea you could possibly do. I mean, just it's just so bad. But, uh, you know, it would do stuff, but it wouldn't do stuff that you wanted. And it's for goddamn sure. But, uh, you know, there's there's certain ideas that, yeah, they're not, not, not cool, bro. Not cool. Uh, so just to pivot for half a second uh, to what we started with insects. Yes. Um, so lab-grown meat. Uh, so we're talking about food dysregulation potentially. So it wouldn't be meat, obviously, unless the food that the meat eats is reliant on the bees and all that stuff, which, which it might be. But um, there's a new study that is showing that, which I don't even know how they came to this conclusion, so we're going to have to uh, check this out. But um, lab-grown meat may do more lasting damage to climate than regular beef, which blows my mind. Like, how? What? New study. Um, so, apparently, proponents of... New study by the Cattlemen's Association. Uh, <laughs> um, so, of course, people who uh, are proponents of it um, believe that it could supplant uh, the beef industry, livestock, particular cattle, which is a, a huge source of gas emissions. However, the issue here, and I think that's where the rub is, is that when the researchers were looking at emissions from cattle, they were just clumping it all together instead of looking at the ones that actually exacerbate uh, greenhouse gases, such as methane specifically. Right. Um, so uh, then they also weren't really looking at carbon dioxide. Uh, the fact that methane uh, remains, it does warm stuff up, but it only remains in the atmosphere for a decade or so. However, carbon yes, dioxide okay. persists. And methane for changes into carbon dioxide. Does it? So um, they, this is the study where they were looking at uh, emissions uh, in terms of carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, um, and uh, all of the specific gases. So um, cattle systems are associated with the production of all three greenhouse gases. Uh, and under continuous high global consumption, cultured meat results in less warming than cattle initially. But this gap narrows in the long term. In some cases, cattle production causes far less warming as the uh, methane emissions do not accumulate, unlike CO2. So that seems to be the sort of, but, but, while it does seem like a fun little thing to share with your anti-global, uh, anti-climate change friends on Facebook, it seems like the perfect little clickbait to share. However, uh, there are caveats. The fact is that they are assuming how much lab-grown meat there will be, uh, as opposed to how much... Um, and so this is the actual study. It was on um, Frontiers and Sustainable Food Systems. It was uh, actually published in February 19th, uh, 2019. So this just happened like 10 days ago. And well, originally... Uh, Actually, yeah, I think it's published originally on the Frontiers in Sustainable Food Systems. And so uh, what they're looking at um, is long-term assumptions. So we compare the temperature impact of beef cattle and cultured meat production at all times to a thousand years in the future using four synthetic meat uh, greenhouse gas footprints currently available um, and all that. So they're, 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 they're using here. I'm going to highlight it for you. Mm -hmm. So they are assuming <laughs> how much is currently being used mm -hmm. to produce lab meat. They're assuming we're going to stay at this level. We're not going to have any innovation in mm -hmm. growing lab meat. And uh, they scale that up to a thousand years. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and besides that, methane becomes carbon dioxide, which they're not even uh, apparently they're not, not even looking at. Well, that not too. not the original study anyway. Um, of course, lab-grown meat isn't even on sale for public. Uh, researchers making a lot of assumptions about meat yeah, consumption in the future. If, when it's not even reached, when it's not even reached the ability to to go to market, the there, cost of anything that hasn't made it to market is is like a factor of ten. You know, the, the processes are fucking horrible on anything that hasn't been able to be brought to market yet. There's mm -hmm. so much, you know, refinement that happens with any product. And that's why any brand new product on the market costs way the fuck more because it costs way the fuck more to produce because they, you don't got you don't have it right yet. So oh, it's prohibitively so using, expensive right now. Oh, God, yes. Um, so so if they're going to use that, that logic, then we should say, well, since it's so expensive, for a thousand years, it's never going to be uh, uh, usable anyway, so we can just forget about it because nobody will be able to, to afford it. You know, it's, right. It's the same kind of uh, flawed logic. Yeah, so there's a lot of assumptions, but it, it is out there uh, as a study that just came out 10 days ago. S less than 10 days. February 19th, so this is like super recent. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the half of the uh, the bees, uh, more than half of the bees dying was actually a, a recent news as well. So we are actually well, sticking to the news. Well, we are talking about, yeah. There's a, <laughs> news seed. I know, we're, we're talking about it's news. baby news. It just happened. <laughs> even though we seem to be hitting lots of other shit that isn't new news kind of thing. These are, it's seeded by news. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we went from CRISPR to uh, sort of back around to food production, um, which leads us to insects. Again. Yeah, to yeah. the genetically modified insects. Yeah, so, why are we talking about food? Because we're talking about bees dying. <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, apparently they just recently had, um, they've, they've been talking about uh, using CRISPR-Cas9 to uh, uh, crash mosquito populations, where basically you, you have, you, you... So it's also CRISPR. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so, it's, so, okay, those of you who have CRISPR labs at home and want to make a gene sweep virus, don't. Yeah, don't, don't do that. All it's right. bad. It's stupid. Uh, <laughs> You'll die. Everybody. Will die. Everybody will die. You die. She dies. Everybody dies. Uh, so don't 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 make me die. <laughs> don't do that. It's not nice. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is like uh, on the twentieth. It came out that they were uh, so so one of the, the first. You know, they've been talking about it for a while, but the they're they're using way more care and thoughtfulness in the application of CRISPR, and this is just in, in fucking mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that, you know, the numbers of mosquitoes that are, um, you know, present in certain environments, you can't deal with uh, via, what's it called, um, just, you know, spraying poison. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not feasible. But what you can do is release a few genetically altered mosquitoes to crash to the population. Right. Right, and so what they do is they, they, they can make it to breeding age, but they have genetic vulnerabilities that make it where they die more easily. And so... This reminds me of uh, feeding Ray to cockroaches and letting them go home and, and breed with their babies. Kind of, but this is specifically well, no, what happens is, is you have these... See, that's why they're insects. Because they just said they go home and breed with their babies. <laughs> there you go. Bastards. Insects. But anyway, so... <laughs> So yeah, so they, they, they basically give them uh, a genetic illness and then make sure that, that genetic illness passes to all of the mosquitoes. And, uh, and so one of the first tests of that is occurring and they're going through 
I mean, they're going to such enormous lengths. So they've got a breed of the test that they're breeding on. They've been talking about doing this for like fucking nearly a de decade now, at least. Uh, and uh, and so they were they they first have this like special place, you know, where like multiple you have to go through multiple doors, and it's like you know the keypad, like they're like they're you know dealing with some biological weapon or something. And, uh, and, and they've got a lab in Italy where even the mosquitoes, if they escaped, they, they've got a breed of mosquito that couldn't survive in that environment. So there's no other mosquitoes for it to even breed with in that environment. And it wouldn't, you know, live very long anyway. And so they're, they're going to all this trouble. But they did, they are now finally testing in the past few days the uh, CRISPR-Cas9, um, you know, crashing larger populations. They've already done it with smaller populations. And this is a... The, the, a very large test they're doing it inside this facility in Italy. So that that's that was in the news. That's neat. Um, then I guess we should just kind of go to some of the other. Uh, Let's see. Do I have anything about insects? Any more any more shit about insects? I think that might be anything about incest. No, I don't think so. Um, no more incest. No more incest. No, but I got the bees and, and the thing. Uh, but yeah, if we're gonna go to space, um, I don't know if you're uh, gonna talk about the Japan's Hayabusa spacecraft. Yeah, I was gonna talk okay, about cool, it. Okay, cool. Point, but go ahead. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, because let's let's just go with curiosity and opportunity. So the uh, okay, uh, recent news, RIP. I know. RIP opportunity. Uh, you guys, I'm sure have heard about it. It was a little rover on Mars that was sent. Uh, 14 years ago, um, and it was supposed to last 90 days, but it lasted 14 instead. 14 years <laughs> instead yeah. of 90 days. Yeah. 90 days to 14 years. Yep, and and recently um, there was a storm on Mars, and um, oh, I'm gonna get emotional again. Now there's a storm on Mars, and they couldn't get in touch with the robot afterwards, so it's been essentially presumed dead. Uh, you know, missing in action. So um, its mission was completed. Yes, its mission was completed, and this is the emotional part. NASA, oh god damn it. <laughs> well, because NASA assholes, they were playing, and I'm also looking at the D and D like card for it right now too, so which is great. But um, God bless geeks and nerds. But yeah, NASA was playing the robot some music, and like the last one was a love song, and it's really touching and emotional. And I'm a transhumanist, so robots are like our little pets. They're 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 the best. Such a such a dutiful little servant for 14 years. Uh, and then just you a know. lot of people were very attached to it. I mean, there, there was not, you know, because you know, you end up, you can end up imputing personality on something, especially when it looks like a little cute little robot with little robot eyes and stuff. So, yeah. uh, guys, check out the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> if you're into that sort of deep, fucking heart wrenching, sentimental shit. Um, so yeah, there's a D and D card um, by Warlock Homebrew. They made it as a as a little um, construct. That you can print out a card and use it in your D D game. So uh, and it has a neat little story about how how it ended up in the how it ended up there because he uh, he went through some sort of the you storm know, that it died in. Um, actually, brought it to another yeah, plane. ported it to another plane, and mm -hmm. to, and then people that some like gnome, uh, you know, found it. Found it. It's yeah. a neat little story. Yeah. Not gonna ruin it for you. Check it Check out. Check it out. Uh, all of that information will be available on patreon.com/slash/annacherry because. This show is brought to you by patrons such as yourself. So if you'd like to join the effort, support the podcast, which it will be with your help. Uh, right now it's just a live show on YouTube, etc. We do have an RSS link. You can upload it to uh, your favorite podcast player and get updates, though not as regularly as an actual podcast would be. 
So we'd love that. We'd love to be able to put this on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play and wherever else. Stitcher, I hear that's a thing. Um, so we can do that with your help on patreon.com slash Cherry. I recommend the challenger mode. It is something uh, that allows you to hang out with us after the show and discuss some of the finer points or just talk about random things and look at our cats uh, and just have a little fun chat with us afterwards after every show. So um, that's a perk that you can get. Uh, then going back to the Mars rovers, though. Uh, so uh, their, their curiosity had a scare. So, um, yeah, so Curiosity... Um, oh, real quick. All of this information will be available in the Patreon post for this podcast. It'll include the audio file as well as all the references, and it's available to the public. So if you cannot support uh, us on Patreon without hardship, don't. Uh, <laughs> and instead, you can follow uh, our Patreon page, bookmark it, whatever. Check in for your free public available audio files of this podcast. Go ahead. So there was just this little hiccup with uh, the function of Curiosity where they had, they was stuck in some sort of um, So I believe Curiosity mode. and Opportunity were sent out at the same time, or I don't not? know. I think that Curiosity is, uh, second is, one? is more recent. Okay. And uh, so it's, it's I just know I associate them because they're both Mars rovers and their names similarly, but... So it's back to you know working properly. Everything's cool with it after the little hiccup. But oh, what uh, was the hiccup? Uh, I know you said it, I just missed it. Well, it, it, I didn't. I didn't give details because I, I, that wasn't what was interesting to oh, me. Okay. It, it, yeah, it had a little a little hiccup. Everything's cool. Not a big deal. Uh, just like some, so probably something having to do with storms and you know it just ended up in this like a little safe mode with things. Oh, so, safe mode. Okay. Right. So you know they were having trouble with it, but everything's back. So but, they needed to press F11 on, up on booting? Yeah, something. You're exactly. They had to hit delete. They had to spam the delete key, and then it came up. They got it. The, uh, uh, but what's interesting to me, however, is that it's, right, it, it's now moving into an area where uh, clay minerals can be seen from orbit. Uh, and so, you know, clay minerals, they, they're an indication of something that where, you know, that they form in water. So it could have supported life. So it's about to come to somewhere that is um, uh, you know, a very interesting area. So they, they, there's a potential drill location that was sighted uh, just 200 meters away. And so right now, it's possible that as we speak, um, you know, Curiosity could be uh, discovering life on Mars. So you know, it would be uh, you know, look, looking forward to that news after it gets some of its first drills. But I mean, usually I guess they don't, they, until they're really certain of it they don't necessarily uh, release curiosity much, indeed so so that's cool that's good that's good news that it, that's finally you know investigating a little clay area um apparently Bodie mcboatface is uh back in the news and is gonna have this uh, that's a bit of a deviation um, oh well excuse me because we're talking about space right <laughs> yeah well I, hey i mentioned water that, that was enough of a segue for me there you go perfect love it <laughs> Hey, a boat is a robot, so we can go right back. Yeah, to... it's a, well, this is a Bodie McBoatface is robotic. It's oh. a, it's a, uh, it's a little. Oh, it's know, like a, a, a. It's an autonomous underwater. This is a droid. Yeah, or, uh, a drone. drone. Yeah, sure. No, it's a droid. It's no, underwater it's a, drone. It's a drone. <laughs> and uh, and so it's going to be doing a uninterrupted two thousand mile crossing of the Arctic Ocean. So so uh, that's going to be well, uninterrupted, uh, as in like it doesn't have any planned stops. Yeah, I guess. Because that's an odd way of putting it. <laughs> so, so the you know, buddy McBoatface is, is out there in the news about to do some 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 crazy stuff. Uh, so that's that's kind of cool. I don't know. I just, it's just funny. 
you wanted to go ahead and talk about the, uh, the the next thing, the space thing? We don't have to. Oh, okay. oh I thought you wanted to talk about it. All right, well, but then I was just going to say, okay, then now apparently, um, you know, the everybody knows the, the space shells were decommissioned. Well, that apparently... What? Well, you know, the, the, no, I don't. No, I don't know uh, anything about the space. The show? Well, okay. Well, All I know is that Apollo 13 happened, or maybe it's a movie, or maybe both. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so the shuttle, the picture that you're looking at? Apollo. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 anyway, the, well, that's, uh, that's maybe that you think of it as Apollo. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the space shuttle. And the space shuttle program basically it was kind of aging, they, and so eventually... The design of it, you know, uh, was starting to get to the point at which they decided, you know, that's well, been they, used too many times. What did they, or, do? What did the, what they did decommissioned they do? it. Well, what did it do? Why the did space they, shuttle was yeah. going up into space, and they and did what? things. Well, sometimes, well, the space shuttle is what serviced the Hubble uh, telescope when it, one of the mirrors was set wrong, uh, and so it, they needed to do. Uh, repairs so basically, on it anytime in space, we want to go into our orbit, we use the shuttle. Typically, we use the shuttle. Oh, so it's like a, a shuttle. Have, it's a shuttle. Yes. Like, oh, let's start. Except, okay. except it's got huge tanks of gas. Oh. And well, first there's two solid fuel rockets, and then one liquid fuel, uh, fucking huge thing. And then you know, anyway. So so it, that the the space shuttle program was decommissioned. You know, fairly recent in. Well, what the fuck did they use instead? Yeah, I don't know. I was actually completely certain of it. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe nothing. I think, yeah, I think right? we're just like, fuck space. No, no. Space Force. No, yeah, no. They, 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 they do have some place. In, but anyway, the shuttle program, right. they're, they're now actually using parts from the shuttles. And, uh, and so, it's a, the, the, uh, so they're kind of like a, uh, they're, they're Frankensteining the old shuttle program and using pieces for uh, for new new systems, uh, so yeah, that's just kind that's of an cute. interesting thing that they're doing. So it's well, apparently... you know, rebirth is in the title, so yeah. Well, there's like a DARPA space plane called the Phantom Express, and then there's a uh, I'm sorry, what? A space plane called the Phantom Express, uh, and then there's like a mod... stop it, DARPA. You're already villainous and cartoonishly villainous. Not I know. Of course, we're gonna have the Phantom Express. Um, anyway, the Silly. <laughs> I know so many nerds that. <laughs> Yes, we'll call we're it. scientists. <laughs> no, you know they're loving it over there, Darpa. Of course. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I would name it that. The too. modified leftover shuttle engine will power NASA's delayed space launch system, the SLS, which is a big vehicle for lunar missions and eventually Mars. Uh, so, so that's what I'm saying. But then, you know, back more in some, some more Mars news, um, or not Mars news, space news, uh, the. Um, SpaceX is uh, uh, about, I think they launched the, already uh, the first private lunar lander. Oh. So uh, so that's neat. And well, it says watch it. So yeah, so I mean, I think it's already been launched. Yeah, you, you, you can go online and Today watch the launch of it. Today on uh, four days ago. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was, that was recent. So that's, that's going to be uh, the first private mission to the moon. Uh, and landing uh, something there, so that's, that's course, still got a couple the, of months before it lands, I think. Is that right? Um, uh, to this date, hmm? to this date, only three nations have landed on the moon: United States, Russia, and China. Cool. Yeah. And then it'll be United States again. And that'll be the first corporation, private yeah. company, whatever, mm -hmm. to, to land. You see, capitalism works. <laughs> Except, uh, oh, who were the first to go into space? Russians. I'm sorry. What? Right. Okay. Um, uh, I'm just excited about the. As a Russian, 
I'm excited about space <laughs> and our ability to go to it first. Sorry. <laughs> first. First. <laughs> first, bitch. Uh, so the and of uh, course, Gagarin came back trolling, saying that I saw no god up there. Oh yeah. Oh right. snap! Oh, oh, that's uh, just uncalled for. That was unnecessary. Too soon. <laughs> yes. So um, there's another uh, thing where the uh, there's a Japanese space probe that uh, landed on um, uh, an asteroid. An asteroid, uh, Ryuga. Uh, and that's the name of the asteroid. The spacecraft is Hayabusa 2. Yeah, and it it's Japan's, fired a bu bullet into the surface. So wait, wait, wait. The spaceship is Japanese, but clearly they also claimed the naming rights to the asteroid? I would imagine that's true. Good for them. It's a 3,000 <laughs> foot wide Ryugu asteroid. What the fuck's a Ryugu It sounds like it's like a class of asteroids. That's strange. It can't be. Ryuga is like something about a dragon, I think, right? Ryuga uh, Yep. 16217350. Hold on. Ryugu. Hold on. Let's, let's, let's translate. It's a near Earth object. <laughs> translate. Ryugu. Yeah, they named it. Well, somebody named it. Um, it's a near Earth object and a potentially hazardous asteroid of the Apollo group. See, Apollo, there it is. It measures approximately one kilometer or 0 0.6 miles for the, Euro the Europeans. No, not the Europeans, for the Americans. Uh, so 0 0.6 miles or one kilometer in diameter and is a dark object uh, of the rare spectral type CG, which qualifies as a both C-type asteroid and a G-type asteroid. Whoa, hype! Uh, in June 2018, a spacecraft Hayabusa 2 arrived at the asteroid. So they've been there for a year now. Interesting. But they will be the first returning. It was named Ryugu by the Minor Planet Center uh, on 20th of September. The name refers to Ryugu Dragon Palace, a magical okay. underwater palace in the Japanese folktale. Okay. In the story, the fisherman Urashima Taro from Psyche K travels to the palace on the back of a turtle. And when he returns, he carries with him a mysterious box, much like the Hayabusa's returning with samples. Huh, yeah, that's so cute. So watch Psyche K if you guys have Netflix because they actually uh, have the story that they do as a, as a school play in, in one of their episodes. Really? Remember where they were going to have those lavish decorations of the guy riding oh, the turtle? Oh, that's right! Going I to about the that. underwater palace with the princess. I forgot about that. Oh my god. That's a thing. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but what's cool is that's going to be the first, uh, they're going to, we, we've got, uh, the U.S. has something that went and collected samples. Uh, but the uh, this satellite will return with its samples from a uh, uh, collected right. from, a, from an asteroid before our satellite does. So, so uh, ours is still on its way back. Yeah, and so from elsewhere, not this, not you, but somewhere no, else. No, somewhere else. Right. I, I I forget which one or what, but sure. it'll be it'll be the first one to return. Return anyway, is the is the uh, Japanese one. Oh so. shit! Asia beats U.S. again. Oh, oh no. snap! <laughs> You're so salty, or not not salty? What is it? Uh, you're so. You bad, bro? No, you're no, no, so um, uh, trolling. I am tro <laughs> trolling. <laughs> trolling. So so that should be uh, neat because once again that's another. Who knows what we'll find? You know, is on asteroids. A lot of people. There, there's all of these um, discoveries of. Uh, is that is that supposed to be frozen like that? No, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, yes. There's all these discoveries of. Um, Organic chemicals in space, like they've been finding organic chemicals in in large like bands, uh, complex organic chemicals in large bands between 
galaxies. Uh, so it's like there's there are um, uh, interesting organic compounds that may even include some rudimentary, you know, uh, amino acids possibly. So there's you so know, there, why we're talking about this because well, other than that it's fucking cool. Uh, is that the asteroid landed on February 22nd, a couple of days ago, 8 a.m. Uh, local time in Japan. And it comes with bullets. That's like why we're talking about it. Because it's going to fire a bullet into the asteroid. It's about no, it, to it do already the did. Thing. I or think it's going to well, be doing it more than once. Right, right, right. Because uh, two shots were, because it needs to collect stuff with its sampling arm. Uh, two shots will be fired initially. A large projectile will be shot later this year to stir up additional material. So it's going to rocket fucking shoot it. So a, a rocky start. The craft's landing on Ryugu was supposed to happen last October. But it was discovered the surface of the asteroid was covered in a larger gravel than the team expected. So, to make sure the collection system would work, the researchers performed some experiments on Earth. They fired a bullet into gravel using spare launchers that were made during the manufacturing of this. So they used, like, spare parts. So Japanese. They were proper. They used uh, proper science. They used spare parts. Uh, so unlike those scientists that were speculating about the beef and all that, they, they used actual spare launcher things that were made during the same manufacturing process as the spaceship. And uh, they tested it and see what would happen if they, you know, shot with it in space. And uh, why it matters is because the spacecraft's precursor, the Hayabusa, is the only spacecraft to date to have collected material from an asteroid and returned it to Earth. So... That's already been done. Already been done? Wait a minute. First Did one. I misunderstand? Uh, maybe, maybe it was the first one. Uh, but that's, I mean, Hayabusa 1, um, or the, mm. the OG Hayabusa, um, OG. collected material from an asteroid and returned to Earth. The newest craft will provide more detailed measurements, building on the knowledge established by the original. Uh, the Hayabusa 2 will return to Earth in late 2020 with samples from Ryugu. So, it looks like it's going to be coming back in 2020. Do we have a date on when the U.S. one will be coming back? Yeah, they were both in some article that I read. It might, maybe What's I the name of the U.S. one article. so I can just find it? You know, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I just thought, I thought it was pretty interesting that, uh, that the Japanese made sure that they were going to be first to bring back a... Uh, I, mean, I mean, we're still less resting on our laurels, too. They were like... Russia's like, fuck it, we were the first in space, bitches. And then uh, America's like, yeah, first on the moon, bitches. And so, like, other countries are like, well, we're going to be first in something. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> that all space race. Uh, so I don't know if it was the Osiris Rex probe they were talking about? or I'm not sure. Uh, I wish I could find it easily, but it's just not coming up here. I'm, maybe I totally closed the... I may have looked at multiple articles and... And closed off the other article that it's had information. But yeah, it's, it, 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 oh, okay. So there is one. Yeah, Osiris Rex, uh, whose name stands for Origin Spectral Interpretation Resource Identification Security Regolith Explorer. A ship fuck is a regolith? It's like a monolith, but with reg in it instead. Uh, it won't leave Bennu until March 2021. Uh. And Hayabusa 2 will come back in 2020. So, yes. There we go. That is accurate. Why go to asteroid Bennu? NASA gets animated. There's a little uh, short, um, I'm assuming. It's short. Um, you guys can watch. Yeah, two minutes, 42 seconds. So all of these resources will be up on the Patreon post whenever I get around to it. Um, likely next month. Hopefully by the end of this month. But I got shit to do. And this stuff is free, all right? If you want this stuff to come out faster, um, support us on Patreon, please. 
But yeah, I think that was uh, that was it for most of the news stories I thought were interesting. Space, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was, there's other news stories, but you know. Really, the football face. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, like there was uh, the they they, they discovered that uh, Neanderthals were probably inbreeding. Uh, what do you do? They almost certainly, yeah, humans were have been in, inbreeding too. They don't, they don't really have any anything other than they were, that, that they were. It's like that's not really news. It's like it's obvious. It's like you know humans are are inbreeding right fucking now. Uh, so this and they don't even know to what extent they were inbreeding. It's or just why like this, or how. Yeah, so that's like how is that news? Yeah, uh, it's why? Like, Hey, you guys, sex news that won't get most people offended, but they get to talk about sex. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, that's no, not fun. Um, uh, oh, wait. You know, I didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even notice there's a NASA Greenlight SpaceX crew to capsule, the, uh, a capsule test to ISS. What is this? Know, oh, sorry. Uh, so, basically, there's a capsule that, uh, that NASA has, uh, let's see, on Friday gave SpaceX a green light to test a new crew capsule uh, by first sending an un unmanned craft with a life-size mannequin to the International Space Station. So that's cool. But... Nothing. Okay. Crew Dragon? Hmm? Take the Crew Dragon test capsule. Oh, neat. I guess that's the name of it, Crew Dragon. So does that mean it'll be... Okay, seven seats. So it'll it'll be bringing people... So, like, it is what it sounds like. It'll, it'll be delivering people to the International Space Station, right? Is that accurate? Maybe so. Because uh, I was, uh, at first I was thinking it would be like an attachment because the space station is supposed to like grow with right. like attachments and well, shit. Well, maybe that's what it is. Uh, let's see. But it may just be... We talked about SpaceX has already made more than a dozen unmanned trips since 2012 with supplies to the ISS. Um, and so this is going to be, I guess, a test. So uh, somebody who's involved with this said, um, I guarantee everything will not work out exactly right. And that's cool. That's exactly what we wanted to do. <laughs> They're troubleshooting. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, it's just about... Uh, to transport their astronauts, yeah. Yeah. The, in other words, it's manned space flight. And so they're basically they're having to get, you know, they have to prove that they can do manned space mm -hmm. flight. Yeah, this will be the first time the U.S. space agency let a private sector company transport their astronauts. So another first for SpaceX. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that actually is good. How did I miss that? Uh, whatever. That's a really big list of... Yeah, it is. <laughs> then again, it does start off with all caps NASA, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, have, and then also, I guess I was drawn to this. There's this, like, there's this kid who has a, a nuclear reactor in his, uh, in, that he built, theoretically he built. Well, let's at, talk at four, about it. At, at 12. I, I don't believe it. He, oh, I mean, there's, a, there's, yeah, exactly. Over and over, you have these child prodigies, which are basically just parents who are getting rich through saying that their kid did it, uh, or they're getting famous, I mean, through saying that their kid did it. Um, and so, yeah. But they did it themselves? Yeah, almost always. It's, a, they, it's just, it's a constant thing. Uh, Not familiar, actually. Yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, but then, the, uh, apparently, uh, Israel's private lunar lander blasted off from the moon. How did I miss that one? Man, I'm just like, Don't tell I'm people just you missing missed it. it. Okay. No, Good. I did miss it. I'm bringing it up right now. Hey. We're talking about space. We've got more space news. I got more space news. It's just right here, right now, live. Exactly. Live space wait, news. Wait, wait. We're, we're getting We're getting, we're getting uh, the, the, uh, the ticker went off and. Okay, let me read the. The telegraph? Yeah, a little telegraph from space. You know, they do say that all technology is the most reliable one sometimes. Actually, that is true. Aren't there computers in what? 
the NS, not the NSA, can't be NSA. Um, is it the CIA, the NSA, Department of Defense? One of those. They're using computers from like the 60s because it's actually the most secure thing to do because you can't, it's like, it's off the grid, man. You can't hack it if it's not connected to the grid. Uh, so, and yeah, it's like really old stuff from the 70s. So let's see, U.S. Oh, uh, wait. So Israel is helping fund it or something on Thursday evening. So this is SpaceX launched its first rocket. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Of the year from Cape Canaveral, it says first lander with private money. Uh, okay, so basically, I think that somehow Israel is involved with that lander that SpaceX. Hmm. Weird story. So why, is, why are they saying Israel here? It doesn't it doesn't make that clear? Let's see. The Israeli spacecraft Bereshit will gradually raise its orbit to reach the moon, landing after about a month and a half of flight. So what does that have to do with SpaceX? Oh, today there are only three nations landing on the moon, as I, uh, and I oh. didn't, I should have kept reading that sentence, oh my god. Because <laughs> I, I was reading that. Oh, okay. Yeah, in, in a different article. And it like has that exact, when I said only three nations today. Okay, it yeah. must be that Israel built the lander and they're using a SpaceX rocket. Maybe mm. that's what it is. That must be what's going SpaceX on. SpaceX rocket launches Israeli lander that's on the moon. So first, so first private company to do it, uh, and Israel will be the fourth nation to join um, the space race, essentially. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, makes sense. That must be it. Like out of those three countries, you are missing Israel in terms of world powers. Yeah. Of those three. In terms of, you know, dictating policy and having relations with other countries. On Like, they're the big boys. They're the big players. So that's what I think. They're the top five. I'm not really sure who the last fifth one would be other than, like, all of Europe. <laughs> well, pro probably the United Kingdom. Um, so let's see. Uh, this actually reminds me of... The cats yeah. losing their mind. Uh, but, you know, so we're talking about robots, death, life, all of that. Um, I did find the oldest 10 uh, systems in terms of IT that uh, the government uses. Would you be interested in that, or should we oh. save that for our patients? Um. Well, I mean, it's just fun. Why would we save it for patients? We love <laughs> you patients, but, like... Yeah. I want to share. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the, the old nuclear, like, you know, the longest time, they're still on, like, the big fucking five. No, I think there was even bigger floppies. Like, they were literally on fucking floppy disks, which was just really unreliable technology, but it's so impossible to hack that, mm -hmm. you know, that using really old technology basically kept uh, the security extremely high on, on, like, our nuclear systems by using these, this, like ancient fucking technology. Right, this is exactly along those lines. Um, but it, it doesn't really go with with everything. So um, I, do, I need to find a way to get uh, Patreon shows recorded or something. So that way we could actually cover extra stories and have it be like a little extra extension of the show. A little but, extra. A little extra. Um, but right now I'm comfortable with doing it as just an after party where, you know, um, because not everyone necessarily watches our show beforehand. Um, sometimes they don't have time because they just got off work or they're watching it some other time or I fucked up the schedule, you know, who knows. Uh, usually the latter. 
so, um, you know, so so just kind of hanging out and talking about random stuff is, is kind of what we excel at anyway in the after show. So let's just let's just keep it chill with that and um, talk about all the sciencey shit um, directly as a newscast on the news team. Um, so let's do a fun little um, endings uh, ending the news seed with, with an old seed. The application programming languages under girding some federal IT systems were new when the Andy Griffith show premiered. <laughs> That's great. And they're still there. So the question is how outdated some of these programs are? Well, yeah, the Andy Griffith show premiered and uh, these federal IT systems were new at the time uh, and they're still in place and that's like excuse me how many years later uh oh, 1960s i think yeah so uh chart below lists details about the 10 oldest legacy systems oh, still in use in oh, no, the federal it's government no it's even older Almost. premiere of the griffith show all right when was it the griffith show i would see it occasionally on nick at night and it would look like the most boring fucking shit ever i would i would actually go into a mini rage when i saw the andy griffith show come on by the way I, I was icebergged about that show because I just moved to America. The TV was a thing, and Nickelodeon was amazing, and they would put that on. What this a waste of time! What a waste of life! Why would anyone watch it? It's not even in color. I mean, now as as a fan of the Twilight Zone, like that, the color has no bearing on the value of a show. But wow, was it always boring? Anytime I saw clips of it, it was. Okay, yeah, apparently it was October 3rd, 1960 was the first episode of so, it. So. Uh, Alright, so let's go through the list of 1 through 10. Um, so, somebody says it's a situation analogous to operating a 1960s automobile with the original chassis, suspension, and drivetrain, but with a more modern engine, satellite, radio, and a GPS navigation system. So, I mean, that's, it makes sense, you know, if it, if it works, don't break it, I guess. Um, so, let's go. Number one. Agency, Treasury Department, slash the IRS. The system that it uses is individual master file and it is approximately 56 years old. Jesus. What is it? The massive application that receives taxpayer data and dispenses refunds. Oh, IRS. well. Yeah. Only no that. No wonder they didn't update that. <laughs> this investment is written in assembly language code, a low-level computer code that is difficult to write and maintain and operates on an IBM mainframe. So it's difficult to write and maintain. Uh, so, well, why? Yeah, I, not okay. that many people. Even even games, like the, the, one of the last vestiges of using uh, Assembler was like in gaming. It was like the way, like, like uh, what was it? Um, uh, Quake was still, a lot of it was written in, in Assembly when uh, when Assembly was already, you know, old at that point. And that was like how um, the Carmack, you know, made it so 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 powerful and beyond all the other technologies because he was writing in assembly. And so yeah, that's neat. Um, speaking of assembly, the second is also the Treasury Department slash the IRS because they have business master file and it's also approximately fifty six years old and it's a companion system that maintains data on business income. So they have two separate super ancient systems. Uh, the system also runs on assembly language code and operates on IBM mainframe. Uh, so then we have number three, the Defense Department. There it is. The system that it uses is Strategic Automated Command and Control System. No wonder they didn't change it. They love that name. Yeah, no, we're not changing this ever. S-A-C-C-S. All right. 
So it's like ASCII, but sex. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. So they're Bostonites. Uh, strategic Automated Command and Control System. I love that. We need to use that in some cyberpunk game. Yes. <laughs> I've been playing System Shock lately on Flexstar, so this is right on my alley. Uh, reported age, 53 years old. So we're going in, in order of um, oldest to least old. Um, so the IRS has the oldest. Basically. Of course. The next one is oh, only the Defense Department. Yeah. <laughs> and... What is it? Uh, the system that coordinates U.S. nuclear forces. <laughs> Eight-inch eight floppy disks. It okay. runs on 1970s era IBM computer system and uses eight-inch floppy disks. And a floppy disk, the data goes bad on those if you just like look at them the wrong way. It's like uh, you know, it's it's, it's such a oh, all God. 80 kilobytes of data. Yeah, goes bad. All, eight, all, all 80. 80 full 80 kilobytes on a fucking eight-inch floppy disk. Each disk holds 80 kilobytes of data, meaning it would take more than 3.2 million floppy disks to equal the storage power of a single modern flash, flash drive. drive. <laughs> Which those go up to like 30, 18, 21. I really haven't seen USB sticks. Well, I guess they can make them terabyte sized. Who the fuck knows? But no, I don't think they not can. really. I don't but think they make them terabyte. There's a company that's trying to, and they're like a really small and slick. Not ter not not a USB stick, no, but like. Uh, approximation. Sure, a sexy approximation. Uh, but yeah, I think I've seen 21 as the biggest USB. 18 or 16 for sure. Gates? No, no, they're no? way bigger than that. Really? They yeah. go up to 64 and I think 128? That, I, think, I think they've like, they've seen, I think I've seen like a 128 gig. Like, USB? Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, 3.2 million stuff. floppy disks. On an average USB. So, the good news though, the Pentagon is planning for upgrades. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, that's, that's not good news. Including... Updated data storage and desktop terminals. Oh, one of those fucking things with like, with like a, you know, I'm an sorry. abacus and a fucking... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, <laughs> the, the Pentagon is planning for upgrades including desktop terminals by the end of 2017. Desktop terminals? What does that mean? Well, that about... means you can't have... that. So they're like, I'm going to upgrade, like, to have a disk and... Well, they're just going to you know, upgrade it to, like, a desktop computer. I mean... As opposed to what? As opposed to... That's my question. Ma mainframes. Well, I mean, like, oh, okay. old mainframes, okay. like, server, and... I, I don't know. But how do you access servers, then? Because I, I know nothing about... Well, there used to be that you'd have one computer... Beyond and Maniac. cords going to it, and, you know... See, Halton Cashfire didn't catch me as... Uh, didn't catch me. Didn't teach me as much about computers, oddly, as much as Maniac did. The one that has the big computer Greta and all of that, like that. So that's a mainframe, right? Uh, probably. So how do you access okay, well, it? You have a little terminal. Though, so right? a terminal is basically okay. Like for instance, you know how you've got a keyboard and a and a screen right, here, right. but there's all kinds of computing components in here that do the computation and storage and and all of that. Whereas with, with when you've just got like a terminal. It's basically just a keyboard and a screen. That's all it fucking does, and it's sending information to the server. And the server right, so, is just one okay. big machine that handles multiple terminals. So same so. question still, then. So if they have to upgrade, do they mean upgrade no two desktop clear. terminals or just get newer ones? Yeah, it, it, it's not very clear. Okay, because otherwise... Okay. And it says in twenty scheduled for 2017? It's like, what happened? Cats. Uh, Galileo had food, so he's like really happy right okay. now and losing his mind. Um, uh, okay. Now, the next one, of course, after the Defense Department, we have the Veterans Affairs Department. Well, no wonder they have so many problems. 
It's personnel. Uh, the system that it uses is personnel and accounting integrated data. And it's also 53 years old. Uh, so what is it? It's an automated time and attendance tracker for veterans, I guess. It runs on COBOL, the 1950s computer programming language, and on IBM mainframe computers. VA plans to replace it with HR shared service platforms in 2017. I mean, this was written in 2016, so it's just the only compilation that we have at the moment. Um, and of course, the IBM, we keep talking about them, um, weren't Nazis using IBM computers to do their Nazi-ing? Yeah, they were cataloging, like, you know, how many... Those gypsies who got bleach put in their eyes? Right, yes. Yeah, cool. We're keeping up with it. Thanks, IBM. Yeah, they, they were able to, you know, coordinate the, mm. coordinate the murder a little bit. Hey, see, there you go. Capitalism first in space. Capitalism first in Nazi <laughs> death camps. Yeah. I mean, first in everything. <laughs> everything. Right, well, well, we never said it wasn't number one in right. everything. Everything. In lead poisoned children. In, in everything. <laughs> everything. Literally everything. So, you know, right. you're not first, you last. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm letting I'm letting my uh, liberal panties show. Yes, that's right. Um, so number five, defense department again. System Compass, reported age fifty two years old. What is it? The computerized movement planning and status system is used to help determine what army equipment should be removed, replaced, replaced, <laughs> or discarded. <laughs> oh, that's great. They use a fifty two year old computer to decide when. Uh, <laughs> Okay. The the irony. That's the best part of this whole article, right there. They could have just had that. Matter of fact, that'd be made made into a fucking meme. It's like the it's the system that decides when shit is too old and should be replaced is itself old as shit. That's great. Love it. So um, the great part about this this fifty two year old system called Compass that uh, computerized movement planning and status system because they love acronyms in the military. Um, is used to help determine when army equipment should be removed, replaced, or discarded. Um, the system currently runs on Windows 2008 server and uses 2009 Oracle 11 gigabyte what? database. Well, how is it 52, 52 years, years old? old. Because oh, the system been, okay, runs they... on Windows instead of IBM. What? How the fuck? I don't they... know, but check this out. Uh, the fun part about it all is that there is a desert in California. Uh, no, yeah, Doyle, California. It's called the Sierra Army Depot, where it's this giant desert lined with tanks. Because there's so many of them. Because yeah. the army just keeps buying them. And not doing it. The, because the system is 52 years old, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so there's this entire uh, Sierra Army Depot. It's a 36,000 acre repository for U.S. Army's tanks, trucks, and armored personnel carriers. And this is surplus. It was purchased More than 26,000 armored vehicles stand ready. They are ready. They're ready. For anything. Those are the ones just in storage. And they're calling them, um, the army set up shop uh, during World War II. Um, they used the base to store vast quantities of bombs and ammunition and hundreds of armored igloos. We've seen those. Armored igloos? Remember the weird domes that we saw in Irvine? And we were like, what the shit fuck is that? And then we Googled it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, right. it's, I think that's, yeah, that. Uh, near Pacific ports, because, you know, World War Two. So that's why they're in Irvine. <laughs> um, Orange County, very close to all of that. So over decades, uh, stockpiles of weaponry. 
the massive buildup in Sierra um, doesn't really result um, in military necessity. It's actually something of a congressional boondoggle. Army leadership has been calling for a suspension, uh, suspension of Abrams tank production for years, but alas, military spending is the domain of the Congressional Appropriation Committee. And when it comes to Abrams, Congress says more tanks. So it actually has nothing to do with the system. It has to do with unholy alliance of apparently the Congressional Appropriations Committee and this company called Abrams that okay, uses it's, the tanks. It's always been the, the military-industrial complex. I mean, it's not, it's not like that, that's a new term that, just came, that we just came up with or was some sort of like conspiracy theorist. The, the, it was a president that was talking about, it was multiple presidents from way the fuck back talking about the military-industrial complex. Didn't actually Eisenhower say something about the military? Maybe. And he was a general, which is just bizarre. Yeah. Was it Eisenhower? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. On January 17th, 1961, President Eisenhower said this. Gave a dire warning. President Eisenhower's farewell address to the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Good evening, my fellow Americans. We now stand 10 years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Wait, you didn't say that. That music got me in the feels. <laughs> Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. How to do this? Three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizen can compel the proper making of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. It's so sad. Yeah, I know. A dire warning that was not heeded. 1971, folks. So we didn't come up with the, with the term. Eisenhower did. Was that, is that 1971? 1971. Yeah, he, well, you know, it was 71? Mm -hmm. Are you sure about that? That doesn't sound right. I think so. That doesn't sound right. Oh, 61, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's better. It was January 17th, was throwing me off. Okay. 
I'm like, mm, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 61. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. This is best quality address. Uh, but I like that one because it had the words. Written out. In a bit of a late scroll, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so we started on a low note and we <laughs> ended very... on a low note. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that all happened. And uh, yeah, but no, we're, we're talking about the, uh, I can't find my resource, of all the tanks that are um, accruing, there we go, in the desert. Um, of California because uh, the Congressional Committee has an issue uh, with ethics <laughs> <laughs> and a company named Abrams so um, they're like tanks like World War Two style just More like tanks. More tanks. tanks you know and it's like unless uh, we're gonna have to defend our you know borders against I don't know flying like what what can you defend on the u.s soil with that many tanks like i just i don't know maybe aliens if aliens invade if aliens invade we got the tanks to take each out individual you'll see the government will be like trump will be like Roll out the i tanks. need you to go like that's bill clinton uh, <laughs> trump bill clinton no, actually, what's the difference actually yeah there's great pictures of them schmoozing and, and all that but that's back when he was a democrat he's not anymore no no he's not no, right. he's a gop now so it's different um but yeah, that's uh, unless the aliens invade, I, I really don't see a need for all these tanks. But you know, <laughs> if, aliens, they do. if aliens invade, tanks will do shit. You don't know that. Yes, I do. <laughs> they absolutely might help in some way. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure that the the aliens that have decided to take uh, on a planet militarily that have come from vast different distances won't have the technology to deal with our tanks. No. And they'll, they'll definitely have problems with those tanks, let me tell you. Um, well, uh, so to address uh, a comment uh, from uh, the chat, um, I do believe that U.S. behavior in the world currently seems to be very much dictated by the military-industrial complex, and I believe the U.S. has the largest defense spending tax dollars uh, going to defense slash defense budget. Um, in the world, so... not just largest in the world. It's largest by by like orders of magnitude. It's like literally like I, I think our budget may be higher than the rest of the world combined or something. It's it and which is I mean China's been fucking gearing up for a while, and, uh, and I think we're still like outpacing them by just massive massive amounts. Let's see U.S. defense spending compared to other countries. Um, yeah, it is bigger than all the other countries combined. And the other countries are talking about China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, India, France, United Kingdom, and Japan. All of those countries combined uh, have a defense spending of $578 billion, uh, while U.S. has $610 billion. And that was... And we're, we're continuing and to ramp 20, up. Well, that's 2018, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's recent. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. So, that's a thing. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and, and we're sending, but we're sending a peace over the border peace into bombs. Venezuela. There's go, we got oh, we got well, peace bombs going sending, everywhere. Sending. But all right, let's 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 call this. <laughs> this is not a political podcast. Hey, I'm just answering questions from chat. If anybody else wants to say something, I'll address that. <laughs> you know, um, no, I'm I'm you know I've stayed away from being a commentary channel on the YouTube's. 
but um, I don't shy away from this conversation in our podcast. So uh, since outrage um, and hate watching is already something people do on YouTube anyway, might as well give them fodder and, you know, use the controversy to our advantage to, to grow the channel and the podcast. That's right. Um, I'm all about that. Um, come at me, bro. Debate me. 1v1 me, bro. Oh, I just threatened you. Fucking watch out. That, we're, we're, that happened. You like you like debate. As a matter of fact, you like. I like to master a debate. Yeah, you're you're a, you are a master debater. I'm a pretty master debater myself. You're you're fact, quite I, a master debater. We yeah. are indeed a team. As a matter of fact, we, we engage in mass debation. It's a whole lot of debation every day. Yes, right. It's true. Every Absolutely. single day, but sometimes not on Thursdays. <laughs> sometimes we take Thursdays off from Thursdays. mass debation. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Large scale mass debation. Well, yeah. I mean. We get a lot of viewers every day. So that's sure, sure. Quite a large amount. Um, large. Um, so I find that um, it's a good thing. Like, oh, that'd be sort of, funny. <laughs> they're they're forced to invade a medieval country. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, we're we're getting um, for those who are watching the stream instead of listening to it. Um, you can see chat updates, but uh, what 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 you can't see, I will tell you. Uh, there's a great science fiction series by Harry Turtledove about a slow developing alien species who arrives using slower than light travel, voiced to invade a medieval country based on their probes. Uh, but I'm assuming it's not okay because their experience is based on slow developing races, and they assume centuries old data is current. Yeah, okay, that's fun. Uh, it reminds me of the uh, the grown meat thing, uh, but like the opposite of that. Um, just uh, how varied our um, assumptions are about things mm -hmm. and uh, when you use current rate of growth uh, that actually ends up being very misleading uh, because it ends up being an exponential thing there was something recently that came up uh, I don't remember I wish I remembered what it was because it was uh, somewhat relevant but uh, we're talking about um, maybe it was uh, actually about uh, science or like physics or something but uh, there's a uh, what is it called uh, Exponential growth is that right, or is it um, some other word for it? When for what? it doesn't, so it doesn't. When, when you double something and then you double it again and then you double it yeah, again, yeah, exponential growth. Right, but then there's one that when you double it, it actually becomes like greater than. In other words, it's it's a the yeah. other way of growing where it's yeah nonlinear. Uh, it's it's something like that where it's like uh, with technology in particular, there the, the curve of uh, growth. Um, yeah. I believe um, exponential works. Okay, yeah. I believe was his face. Um, Kurzweil was talking about this in the singularity, where it's like the way we, uh, the speed at which technology develops. It's not a. Um, so you have, let's say, five years to reach one um, innovation, mm -hmm. and then the next innovation it takes you three years, and the next one it takes you a year, then six months, then five, so it's faster and faster and faster. Um, but you, so it's not a linear. Um, right. An exponential. Yeah. Okay. Geometric progression. Yeah, that's a, that's a good term for it too. Right. So that's something that we need to be especially aware of, mm -hmm. I think, when when it comes to assumptions and predictions, because uh, technology in particular seems to grow at a uh, almost I would say unpredictable rate because of the the leaps that it takes. Because mm -hmm. um, we you know just look at the past. Let's look at the past hundred years where we started off with the rockets that we still use today for the most part in the past 50 or more years. But then you look at cell phones or biotechnology. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had, you know, those clunky, terrible phones in what, like just the 80s. And now we have like, you know, craziness, practically implantable phones mm -hmm. uh, like Google Glass, you know, like shit like that. So um, the 
just in the past 30 years. So uh, it's, it's been um, one of those things that technology in particular, I think, is, is vulnerable <laughs> to this, this kind of uh, thing. And we need to keep that in mind when we're estimating um, that some things are, don't grow like we expect them to. But, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, where it's not just the growth that's growing, but the, the rate of growth that's mm -hmm. growing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's, you can't rely on uh, established rate because mm -hmm. of the nature of, uh, there's still some word that I haven't quite found yet. Well, a geometric regression is no, a, I've never heard idea. of that in my life. Like really? it's, yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's like a particular word of something is, it, it's, it's, ah, I don't know. A bell curve? It's more, uh, it's not a technical term necessarily, it's like one word, and it, it's similar to the singularity word, it's like where, um, it's, it's a one word description of this jump in, a quantum leap. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll think of it like in the middle of the night tomorrow. So you know. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. So yeah. I'll go go now and uh, engage in some more masturbation with, <laughs> with our patrons. Um. But thank you all for watching. And uh, of course, I'll bring your attention once more to today's sponsor, Patreon.com/slash/AnnaCherry as well as uh, our challenger patrons and uh, everyone in tears higher than that. So thank you all to our 20-something patrons. They're so inspired, they're in tears. <laughs> Don't worry about Intel. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, it's, uh, the day is wrapping up for me a little bit. So. Oh, no, I know. Okay. I'm a little out of it myself. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so you, you can blame my, uh, my political rants on that. But, hey, when have I not been political? It's just like comics. They've always been political. So um, if you want to mass debate with us, uh, or if you happen to agree, join our echo chamber, and let's do it. Um, we also have a Discord and all the other stuff. Uh, can you call it an echo chamber when you have also people that disagree with you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think See, we don't have a safe space. We have a mosh pit. So, uh, you know, wear your, your comfiest uh, Nerf gear and <laughs> come on over. And we will see you guys later. Thank you for watching and listening. Bye.